Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. A lot has happened in the last several days since I had Spike Cohen on the show. Uh, we're going to be covering it a bit. But before we get into the show today, I want to mention that in the links in the description, I've stopped putting like Patreon, uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Odyssey, like listing all of them because there's gotten up to like 30 links that I've had in there. So now I just have my link tree in there and you can just go to my link tree and then it has literally every platform that I'm on and even the ones that no one uses like Gab, Getter, Float, all those things. So click on my link tree in the description and that will bring you everywhere that you can follow me. And then I'll have more room for, um, you know, the guest links or if we talk about something interesting during the show, that way it's just easier to follow. It's less cluttered. It's, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to read an essay to get to all the links. So that's the way things are now. So go check that out. And on my link tree, you will see my Substack and uh, my Telegram channel. I'm really trying to build both of those up. Uh, the Substack's really taken off. The Telegram's taken a little while to get going, but if you could go follow me there, I'm not even allowed on Twitter. Reed Coverdale is banned. He can't come back, at least not publicly. So please follow me on those. Um, and anyway, I've got a returning guest to the show. I've never had him on one-on-one. -on -one. I kind of had him on with his buddies from the Lions of Liberty, and I say I kind of had him on because... It was a sort of rough show. I was in a truck stop in Wyoming, didn't have very good service, had like a four second delay. It was a clusterfuck of a conversation. He is Brian McWilliams of, and I don't even know, his show is changing like every four days. Like it used to be electrical, Electric Liberty Land, and now it's Mean Age Daydream. So I don't know what's going on there, but I, I get a messed up. It's the same thing, basically. But how you doing, Brian? It's all good, man. No, I'm great, brother. Good to uh, see you again. We saw each other so recently that uh, I feel like it's, what do we got to talk about? We already hashed all these things out. I know. I mean, <laughs> if someone could have just carried a camera around and filmed us talking at Freedom Fest and at Reno, you know, that was a lot of, that was a lot of content and it was, it was good. It was fun. It was yep. funny. It was, uh, it was interesting. It was controversial. It was all the above. So we really missed out on a lot of opportunity there. Sadly. Well, people really, the lesson here is that we need more groupies that just follow us around gaggles packs. We could give them a name, like a clever nickname, uh, the naturals daydreamers, you know, we'll merge the two together. It'll be awesome, man. Yeah. But yeah, so thanks I, for having me on. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I think your show should have been electric Liberty land today though. You had a, you had a little electrical fire almost in the oh, outlet. Yeah. Well, it was like, you know, I was, I was telling you before the show, I was running around because my outlet just like, you know, I, I heard a, I heard a pop and I was like, oh, that's probably not great. But, you know, I'm an old person now, so it could have been my body. It could have been the wall. It could have been anything. Turns <laughs> out it was the outlet. And I also like smelled a little smoke. But again, I'm like walking around my house sniffing. You know, it's like find the smell, the, everybody's favorite game. And I'm sniffing around. And then finally, I'm like, oh, shit. OK, it's this outlet. Call the electricity people. They come out. They tell me it's it's definitely the outlet. You got to replace it. So I did that. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I die. We'll see if my if you see flames, you know, you see my green screen go up behind me. If you see me just start shaking uncontrollably, it means that I've touched a live wire because I fixed it like a man uh, for the first time ever in my life. First time doing anything manly for that matter in my life. <laughs> With manly tasks, there's uh, there's a there's like a, a sliding scale of how quickly you are made aware of the fact that you did something incorrectly. So if you like frame a wall incorrectly, it might last you know a couple decades before you're like, oh shit, I didn't do that right. Or if you pour concrete, yeah. it might last a while. There are other things like 
a great one is shifting a transmission in a truck. If you make a mistake, the truck lets you know pretty quickly. You get this loud grounding, uh, grinding noise, and you're like, whoa, okay, fuck. Uh, electrical mistakes are usually pretty quick on the return as far as uh, yeah. the notification that you didn't do it correctly. So you yeah, should I mean, I'm, a, I'm keeping my smeller open. You know, that's the thing. I'm just going to keep it open for the smoke smells, keep looking up and looking for sparks in the outlets. It seems okay so far. But my house is also old as dirt. Like, I was looking at the wiring up in the attic, and it's like old wiring wrapped in like I don't cheesecloth or something. It's so bizarre. It literally looks like all the wiring's wearing a sweater. It's not like wiring like you have in 2022. It's like wiring from 1912. It's terrifying. Like I don't yeah. even like to think about it. It's just a yeah. fire. It was like, do they design these wires to catch on fire? Is what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it was so funny. I used to work at this lumber yard, and um, there was a building that. They didn't want to set an extra pole and run the wires around the building to the transformer, you know, and like rig it to the next building over. They just ran the wires in between the rafters in the building and then the building wasn't built properly. This was at a building supply place. It wasn't just a lumberyard. <laughs> like they had building supplies and they had the like, irony, the irony of the oh, building yeah. supply building being built terribly. <laughs> and then it's the, the rafters ended up sagging enough that they ended up rubbing on the secondary wires. And it oh, burned fuck. the whole building down. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I mean, you never know if it's just someone cutting corners or if it's just someone who doesn't know what they're doing. But, you know, mistakes can be disastrous. That's all I got to say. So. Well, I've heard Elon Musk, you know, what he's got going at SpaceX is a little bit of that slapdash. Like, the way they put stuff together. Like, they're moving rocket parts along, like, hallways, you know, through lunchrooms, just like girders on the ceiling. And they just kind of ramp them along. Like, have you ever seen you ever seen the way they move missiles in submarines, you know, and on boats? Yeah. Like, they slide them along the girders. They're, like, doing stuff like that. And he's like, ah, no one's watching. It's fine. <laughs> so, when, soon enough, you just see SpaceX just blast into the into atmosphere. The entire, the entire, like, structure is just going to take off and explode like the Challenger. Too yeah. soon, maybe, for Challenger references. I don't know. Don't know what the status on that is. Well, speaking of too soon, uh, we have a death, and I wanted to comment on it quickly. Uh, Ayman Alzawahiri, who I probably honestly would have no idea if, who that was if I hadn't had Scott Horton on my show a ton of times because he always talks about him. I knew that was the leader of Al-Qaeda, but uh, Brian, how many people do you think even know who that is? Like, when they're seeing this headline, they have any idea who this guy is or what's going on, what country's from, I, like, where Al-Qaeda is, any of it? I didn't know. I mean, and it's like, you know, I try to keep keep in the, the news, but it's been so long since we were actively uh, going after Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda, I would have no idea who this guy was, other than I saw, like, it flashed up that he was dead. And I was like, all right, well, I presume he's a terrorist. And maybe shame on me, by the way, you know, like I read this guy's name and he's I'm like, he's been killed. And I was like, what if he was a charitable man? You know, I was like, ran 17 orphanages. I'm like, whoops, it looks like I'm the dickhead. But no, I figured he's out Gata and I'm reading. It's like, I guess they killed him with a drone strike. I guess he was a former surgeon and now has been running Al-Qaeda. And dude, I just got to tell you this, this Fox news article is what I'm looking at now. Cause I Googled it. Um, Right for the show, or right, you know, before we were getting into it, and it mm -hmm. said that this is the quote, and this is from uh, Lindsey Graham. Congratulations to the Biden administration and all those brave Americans involved in the successful counterterrorism operation against Al Qaeda leader Ayman Al Zawahiri," said Graham. This is a significant event in the war on terror. All those involved have delivered a strong message that America never forgets. Fine, except are we forgetting that all of this shit? happens in the first place because these people have not forgotten what America's done to them and their country over the, you know, the past 50 years. Like 
I'm sure America's never going to forget. Neither are generations of people that live in these areas that we've been bombing and overthrowing governments and doing all these you know, CIA ops in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least we got Osama bin Laden 10 years after 9-11. And then we get his second in command. You know, what, what has it been? 11 years since Osama mm-hmm. bin Laden was killed. Uh, but, you know, there were just like 2 million people in between that, you know, who had nothing yeah. to do with it at all. So, you know, yeah. just... I mean, that's the price you pay for accuracy. You know, there's going to be some mistakes. <laughs> there's going to be a couple, you know, mis- misfires here and there. And that's how you end up with two million people dead, I guess. But. It's, yeah, it's like it's like if you went to the dentist and he's like, all right, I got to get this cavity out. But uh, you might lose about eight to 12 teeth in the meantime before I get that bad boy. <laughs> it's just, I got to see how this thing works. <laughs> just dropping little drills in you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I mean... So like, what do you think is going to happen now? Do you know? I Because I, I don't know. I haven't heard um horton talk about this that much so is there somebody uh is it next man up mentality like with football teams is there is there somebody that's just going to step right up like at this point is it just whack-a-mole i mean yeah well i think that's the only guy that biden's going to get because i think biden's going to be a one-term president and the way we've been doing this so far is each administration gets one guy right like obama gets osama bin laden trump got al Baghdadi. And now uh, Biden has gotten Zawahiri. So whoever the next guy is, you know, President DeSantis is going to take him out or whatever. But speaking of that, I I love the difference in the three speeches. You know, Obama's just like, our forces took out Osama bin Laden last night. You know, it's all like super clean cut and professional. And then Trump is just like, he died like a dog. You know, he was on (laughs) his hands and knees begging for his life and we killed him. And then Biden's just like, we took out. You got to watch the speech, dude. It's such a painful limp that he's getting through with. It's just like, oh, my God. But I'm sure at this point, like, you know, there was that there's that conspiracy theory that Biden had already been replaced. You know, and I don't think there's anything to it, but that an actor was doing it. Why would they not just have some go up and just start doing it? Like literally just opening his mouth and have somebody else in doing a Biden impersonation. I think that would be a better option. This, but it'd be clearer. I mean, he's so mushmouthed; you wouldn't even know. You would have no idea. He, he could even miss. You know, he could say the word at a different time, like an old kung fu moves. So people would be like, "That's probably just a that's a dementia thing." That's probably yeah. us interpreting his dementia incorrectly. You know, we're seeing <laughs> what we want to see. But yeah, man, I, I I do like the idea that every president gets one terrorist, and the timing of it, of course, when Biden's got the lowest approval ratings of any president, I think at this point in his term in history. Bring out the terrorist kills. Yeah. Man, I, I... Uh, yeah, that's kind of how they do it. Um, you know, he's trying to distract from the fact that he's about to start a second proxy war with the yeah. second biggest nuclear threat to us. So he already did it with Russia. And now he's going to go ahead and do it with China. And the funny thing is, is seeing all these Republicans on Twitter say that they're willing to go to war over China shooting down Nancy Pelosi. It's like... <laughs> You're, you're, that's what you're going to go fight for? Like, I think, if anything, we should be sending Xi Jinping a thank you letter if he actually does that. that that's my I, Amen, man. I think that, you know, I want to see more of our uh, our senators and all this stuff leading dangerous missions, you know, try, really antagonizing our foreign enemies. And then just it's like, it's kind of like the old days. Let's get back to the gladiatorial era, right? Can we put Nancy Pelosi in a fighter plane against, uh, I don't know, one of their old commie shit bags and just let them dogfight it out of the air? It'll be an awesome TV all of us will get a kick out of it. But no, I mean, seriously, number one, if you're going over with your Nancy Pelosi, you're doing it as a clear antagonism. So, okay, you know, don't, number one, don't poke the bear. And then, yeah, number two, 
the vast, vast portion of America, I think even Democrats probably would be fine with Nancy Pelosi dying to keep the rest of us out of a civil war or out of a nuclear war. So I don't know. I mean, why why beat the war drums over somebody that's got maybe seven years left to live? What is she, like 85, 82? Yeah, she, well, you're a California guy. Is she running for re-election this year or is she yep. done? She said she is. Yeah, no, she said she was going to be done after this term. And then, of course, now, because the world is always in such dire straits, no, she's going to run for another term. And I think I think she is literally like in her 80s. Yeah. So when does Brian finally give up on California? You guys reelected or reelected Newsom, right? Like you you didn't do the recall. He didn't get recalled. He didn't get reelected, though. Yeah, yeah, he still has to he still has to fight for reelection. But that but then he might resign because if he runs for president, you can't be you know, you can't do governor and president at the same time. So maybe it'll be a DeSantis situation where uh, he'll go into the presidency because that that's what people are talking about. But no, he didn't get recalled. I think he might have if Larry Elder hadn't entered the race because Larry Elder was a high profile conservative. Now, granted, he's a black dude. So people are like, all right, black conservative. He's from here. At least they can't play the race card. They were wrong because <laughs> the LA Times called him the black face of white, white uh, supremacy. <laughs> but um, if he hadn't run, I think Gavin Newsom actually would have gotten recalled. But the problem was, and this is kind of like the thing with Trump and Biden, right? And I 100% don't think Biden's going to run again. I think they're intentionally taking him out. We could talk a little bit about that if you want. But mm -hmm. with Larry Elder in the race, it gave them somebody to say, hey, that's the evil guy. Don't vote for him because X, Y, and Z. Whereas if it was just Gavin Newsom versus a couple other Democrats, you know, that nobody might have ever heard of, but, you know, whatever, he probably would have gotten replaced with just some other shitty Democrat. But he would have been out of office. So. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't recall Newsom, and now you might reelect Pelosi, like, after that, man, I think there's no hope for your state. Like it's not turning around. You're just a you're just like a little island of liberty stuck in I California. I mean, everybody's are you guys gonna like create a free county in California? Well, it's probably not gonna happen in your county, but are you guys gonna like just like make a neighborhood in Southern California that's like, hey, we're cool here and we're gonna nullify all county laws that we don't like? What what's the plan? Like, how do you survive? I, that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, actually, I say where I live in Hawthorne. That's kind of got to start on it because it's there's got areas like my street is not policed by the Hawthorne Police Department or the L.A. County Police Department. It's actually by the Sheriff's Department, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. ah. And I guess if somebody's robbing my house urgently, you know, it's kind of a pain in the ass to get the sheriffs to come out. But but it's interesting that, OK, maybe I can start from there. You know, I'll talk to the sheriffs, we'll work out our own little out of laws, community. I'll break off. I'll make some flags. But yeah, yeah I don't know, man. It's something it's like anything what's you know what's the the reward what's the risk having to uproot get new jobs you know like my wife would have to get a new job because she has to she works at like physical locations and stuff and like this these big furniture installations mm -hmm. for me i don't know maybe maybe it's still you know it will see what happens in the next couple of years if, it, if the taxes keep going up if the homeless you know start to overrun us fully because my neighborhood is also well policed in that they don't let the homeless set up camps that uh, yeah i might say goodbye because their house is worth an astronomical amount now because everything in la is inflationary so yeah you can sell your house in california and then buy like four of them in missouri or something right legitimately yeah and with basements there's yeah. nobody, nobody has fucking basements in, in la and it drives me nuts it's so much space i need that space to put my crap in man i need my yeah. sex dungeon down there i can't what do i do a sex garage it's not the yeah. same if you i put too much too much uh, sound dampening in there yeah, if I lived in Arizona or somewhere where they just do all slabs, I would say, no, just put a basement in anyway. There's so much utility to a yeah. basement. I don't care if I don't need a frost wall. 
Like, I don't care if the ground doesn't freeze and doesn't whatever, like just still put it in because it's so much extra space turns every single story house into a two story house. And people just don't really, you know, people you're from Pennsylvania, right? Or yeah. 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 So you get it. Like no one understands how much extra room that is. Oh, it's the amount of just glory time you can have down there. It's like a great place to put your your children where nobody can hear them scream. You know, they can beat the crap out of each other. But yeah, man, it pisses me off. But you're not, I know you're, you know, you're New Hampshire. I don't know if I moved, I don't know if I now would go back to somewhere cold or if it would be like, you know, Florida, you know, go somewhere like the free state of Florida type deal or, or, uh, leave the country altogether. Like my wife and I were talking about like that mega millions lottery was like a billion dollars. And of course we got yeah. like $30 of tickets, like every idiot. Cause you think, Oh, this is the time to win. Inevitably we're going to win this. And Ryan we were like, a case for gambling. I saw this firsthand <laughs> in Vegas a couple weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> when I lost every every blackjack hand in a row. But then I made my money back in roulette late night, so that was good. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I don't know. We would leave the country probably. Yeah. But I mean, I but I don't know. Like, do you think tangibly? You're on the ground there. Do you think that the libertarian uh, kind of thrust to get a state that's more free than others? Do you think it's actually worked in New Hampshire? Yeah, I think it has, um, you know, so this assault weapons ban that just passed the House and everyone's, you know, adamant that it won't pass the Senate. It's like two mm. Republicans in the House didn't bother to vote against it. There's only one Republican yeah. that doesn't have to vote in the Senate and then it passes. Like, I don't know, like maybe it won't pass, but it, it totally could. Could be 50 50. You know, there could be a tiebreaker with uh, Kamala Harris. I'm not even convinced all the Republicans will vote against it in the Senate or, you know, even show up. So I'm not I, either. It yeah. could even be uh, less than 50-50. Anyways, if that passes, New Hampshire has passed a law that does not, it, or it basically makes it so that New Hampshire law enforcement is not required to carry out federal gun control laws. So nice. we're going to, we got to bring it to the next step and make it so that uh, state law enforcement has to, kick out federal law enforcement if they come mm-hmm. in and try to do something. But as of right now, even if this bill passes, all the state troopers and town police and everyone in New Hampshire, they're not going to have to do anything. They're, they're, they're not allowed to do anything. Like they, the, the state and town police are not allowed to enforce federal gun control laws. And in New Hampshire, we've nullified all the gun control laws for the state. Like they're, or that's not nullifying them, but we've just abolished them. We got rid of them. So uh, there is one example where you're like, yeah, it does make a difference. I mean, if you live even in a red state, they're not doing that shit. And some of them, some of them, like I think Missouri is a second amendment sanctuary state. And then a couple others. Yeah, there's, but, a, there's a few others that have done similar measures I've heard of. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Not, not enforcing it and, and actually combating like federal. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it does make a difference, and New Hampshire's small enough. Uh, and the other thing is like this uh, this high trust society that we have here. You know, there's you, you've been to Pork Fest. You know what it's like yeah. driving through New Hampshire. Like lots of farmland, lots of farm stands where you can just buy food with cash, drop it in a box, take it. You know, lots of honors systems going on. Uh, like trying to start Ancapistan in Portland right now. Uh, you get Chaz, you know, like that's the only type of anarchy yeah. you can achieve. <laughs> like, but in New Hampshire, people are kind of already set up for it with their mindset and everything. So I think 
it um i i think there's potential for it. so would you consider new hampshire is that something brian mcwilliams would think about or uh, maybe you know, i don't know it would take it would take basements. some convincing got basements man everywhere yeah i know i know you got you do got the best basements i don't know it would take some convincing of my wife that's always what it comes down to man is it is you know once you've got the family and the kids and they're ingrained and embedded in like their world it's hard yeah. to move it's hard to move them but i'm not saying no you know i'm not i yeah. it's Things I mean, I'm get not gonna very lie. bad Hampton very quickly. Beach, I'm not going to lie. Hampton Beach is no Malibu. Like it's, it's right. Malibu is way nicer. So you guys got all the, you guys have the geography there in California. It's on, I've been oh, to every, fantastic. I've been to every state, all 50 of them. And no state is, uh, you know, as varied in amazing geography as California. You guys got everything, redwoods, yep. mountains, lakes, ocean, deserts, you know, anything, anything your heart desires. It's all there. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, and also, I I have a little bit of faith in California writing the ship slightly. Now, it's always going to be douchey, especially mm-hmm. where I am. But I think that things are going to push back the other way. Like, I've seen just in conversations, like, you know, I work in, in public relations and I've done entertainment stuff. And a lot of my clients are entertainment. A lot of my wife's clients are entertainment companies and, like, the frou-frouest of the design firms and stuff. But they are now talking about how shit's just gotten pushed too far. You know, like, especially with the CRT stuff in schools. Yeah. With um, like the transgender, like pushing this transgender, transgender, like, you know, the little kids constantly, that stuff, stuff that impacts people on a personal level with their children or with their, you know, their businesses and success, like the lockdowns. Recently, I couldn't believe it, but I'm, I'll take it as a win. They were going to put a new mask mandate in starting yesterday uh, for L.A. County and enough towns, enough cities, enough mayors and everybody pushed back and said, we're not going to comply. You know, go fuck wow. yourself. That L.A. County said, all right, fine. Now, they're pretending that it has to do with case rates. It doesn't. It is 100 percent a will of the people saying we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to do it. You've, you've ruined our lives enough. So I think they've tactically pushed too far. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Now, watch in November. It's going to be the same old crap. And I'll be like, all right, well, time to put the gun in my mouth. But for now, I hope springs a turtle. That's the daydream and me and age daydream. Well, you can't you can't put a gun in your mouth because they're not allowed, right? You got to. <laughs> well, I got mine already. Creative way to take yourself out. <laughs> well, they tried to cap the number of uh, the number of, of uh, bullets I can have in my magazine, but that got overturned. So I can still buy a bigger magazine again to in case I missed the first few times trying to shoot myself, which is very possible. <laughs> That'd be an interesting study to do, like see how people in California commit suicide compared to other states, because you know a lot of people who commit suicide. Well, I guess most of them probably already own the guns, right? Like you usually probably don't yeah. go buy a gun to commit suicide. Just to kill yourself? That seems yeah. like a waste, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's got to be pills. Either that or yeah. the number of people, by the way, the number of celebrities, which is why like talking about this whole conspiracy about celebrities and child pedophile rings and stuff like, you know, lead singers of bands. Uh, um, what's the guy from Soundgarden? Um, Chris uh, or Chris Cornell. He was a big like fighting against pedophile rings in the entertainment biz guy. And then he ends up dead. Uh, they all die in the same way, which is they hang themselves on a doorknob with a scarf, like a red scarf or a red handkerchief, which is just a bizarre and all of them the same, the same way, found the same way. And if you're going to hang so yourself to, like, from a fall. doorknob. Yeah. Like, like how short are they? They got to like fall <laughs> over and like, <laughs> yeah. Like Anthony Bourdain died that way. And it's like, dude, it's like six, four. Like your head, my head comes higher than the doorknob. If I sit down, I'm six, three. How do you kill yourself yeah. that way? 
I don't know. But anyway, that's how apparently people, a lot of people kill themselves doorknob hanging, uh, yeah. exposing pedophiles. So it seems like if there are no guns, the the study would be interesting seeing all the creative ways. Cause I, I consider that creative. Like if you're going to go, yeah. you're going to go out like, and you do it in a creative way, like it's a little bit more respect. It's like, okay, you know, like you, you killed yourself, you know, ultimately a shitty move, but at least you thought about it and you had to like plan it out. I don't know. It's, it's a little, it, it's almost like, deserving of more respect than just putting a gun in your mouth you know what i'm saying yeah well you know if they had that suicide forest in japan maybe that's a good place although there's probably probably hangings but i think there's a little bit of everything they should go investigate just to account <laughs> yeah the <laughs> most interesting suicides are the ones uh of hillary clinton's former clients or former friends mm -hmm. or whatever like there's like two rifle shots to the back of the head suicide yeah i know god <laughs> That's even better than uh, than hanging us up by a doorknob. Like, well, we walked in his house. It's like he's got like a Rube Goldberg setup. You know, there's like a ping pong ball that has to fall into a mouse trap that then goes across and triggers and shoot you in the back of the head. Really, that should be see that should be a competition. You know, the most creative ways, and you can have two teams come up with really creative ways to kill people. And you know, and again, not that I'm an advocate of people killing themselves. No, I think it's a terrible not. move. But yeah. uh, but you know, if you're gonna, if, but, you know. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, Nancy Pelosi, maybe maybe that's her creative suicide move. She's yeah. like, I've had enough. I'm just going to fly over Taiwan and piss China off. Get them to kill me. Go out a hero. Well, we got to admit that is creative. Like, I mean, of all the ways to kill yourself, starting World War Three with China is a creative way to take yourself out. Yeah. Although, you know, I, there was did you see all these people talking about Nancy Pelosi and her giant honking boobs? I did not. I missed this, luckily. <laughs> there was some post she posted. And I guess I never noticed before because I can't stop looking at her haggard, you know, uh, melting, like a music video for Tool melting. Yeah, she face. looks like one of the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, like half. Totally. <laughs> yeah, she's opening. She took a little peek in the arc and then closed it before she could fully melt, but she got like a third of the way through. But apparently she's got these big tits and all these Damn. people on the internet were like sharing this picture and they were right they were huge so maybe she's gonna go over china and you know when the uh when the fighter planes come next to her you know like in the top gun you know they'll flip over top and then she'll flash them over top of the other cockpit and the guys will be like oh and then just crash into the sea and that'll that'll yeah. <laughs> disarm china and their nuclear weaponry <laughs> hey it's kind of a genius plan maybe that's been what they're thinking all along like maybe Pelosi is the actual hero here leading to nuclear de-escalation by flashing. You know, that would be a twist. Crazier things have happened, man. Crazier things have happened. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is why the screenplay I wrote for her got rejected. Top Gun 3. <laughs> they're not going to make it. <laughs> so, man, when we were at Reno and when we were at Freedom Fest, like, I felt like wherever... It was mostly wherever you were, because if I was with somebody else, it wasn't necessarily the case. But wherever you and I were, that was where the fun was. It was always like, oh, let's go check out the pool. Let's go do something fun. And then yeah. there were these guys that just wanted to suck you into these corners and talk about like, you know, Austrian economics or uh, homesteading theory or something. And you're like, dude, we are in a room with thousands of libertarians. The last thing I want to do is start talking about theory. Like this is where we're supposed to act kind of normally, you know, cause mm. we're all here together and we're actually meeting each other in real life. But the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the autism just holds everybody down, you know, and it comes in different levels. We talked about this at freedom fest. Like I consider myself someone who's like, not actually that 
um, you know, socially uh, exciting, you know, (laughs) functional. Yeah. Like I'm, uh, when I'm in a big crowd, I'm, you know, not necessarily my element to kind of like go stand in the corner and find someone to talk to or whatever. But when I'm at these events, I feel like the highest functioning, most socially aware, <laughs> polite, uh, conversational person around. It's terrifying. Like you, people will come up to you and just like stare at you and start talking yes. about how much like I've seen your show before. I really like it. I like this one. Like, cool, man. All right, cool. Thanks. Nice to meet you. And then they just like keep talking about it. Like, I wanted to hear your thought on this other show that I heard two years ago. And I've been thinking about it every night. And I want to hear what you think. And it's just like, dude, dude, just like write me an email or something. Like, this isn't what I want to be doing here. But what what is that? Why why are there why are there so many autists in the liberty movement? Um, and why are you not one? You're like, you are the you're you're like the you're kind of the exception to the rule. Like wherever you are, the lack of autism uh, just draws people and creates, you know, flowing conversation and fun times and, you know, kind of kills the doom and gloom. But what is that? Why do you think that exists? And why are you an antidote to that? in the uh, liberty? I, I'll take that as a, a good compliment. Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely, um, man. <laughs> yeah I, you know, I, so I was thinking about this a lot, whether it's just like I was thinking about conventions specifically because, you know, when you told me the topic for the show had, had a good laugh. But then I was like, I wonder if just we're not seeing the the rampant autism that exists in other parties so much That's because true. their public facing people are like they have enough of the numbers that their public facing people are not the autists. Whereas, yeah. you know, for us, we're like, well, we take what we can get, you know, <laughs> we got to throw some of these people out there. But you know, because like I, I do wonder, like we saw the Democratic Socialists of America, you know, their their whole meeting and motions and they're stopping things because they were triggered and people were speaking too loudly and to this and that. And they couldn't clap. You had to, I don't know, give thumbs up because you were going to scare some of the autists. So mm. I do wonder if they just are out there, but we just don't have the numbers. So when we go to these conventions, you know, that's just where, where they are. And we just happen to have a high proportion of them. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, I, I do think there's something to... Like a lot of, I think a lot of people that have like a little bit of an autistic mindset, you know, they're, they like to problem solve. They like to solve puzzles. They're into conspiracies because again, it's puzzles Mm -hmm. and libertarianism is a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of looking at something and trying to figure out the puzzle. How did the puzzle come together and how can we take it apart and build something new with the, with the puzzle pieces we've got. And I think that challenge draws a lot of people in Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, it's like, it is a deep philosophy and you know, you get in the weeds and then a lot of these people probably don't have anybody else to talk to in life. So when they see a gentleman like yourself walking around with a fine beard or mustache, they are drawn in like a tractor beam. And (laughs) to your point though, the problem is when we are in this environment where everybody is of the same mindset, yeah, liberty is the last thing we should be talking about outside of a panel and should just be relaxed and talking about whatever the fuck else goes into our brains. Right. And, you know, when you talk about, I guess the way I go about it is I intentionally, when I talk to people and interact with people at these conventions, number one, I, th- I, I think a lot of idol worship also comes into play. You know, people mm-hmm. listen to your show. They, they build up a, uh, a mindset about you and the way you are. And, and, you know, they, they hold you at, at this pedestal. So they're intimidated, people that are already socially awkward, right? So they're intimidated and they feel that the only way they can connect with you is by showing you that they can understand what you're saying and pay homage to the throne, right? right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't want to send the wrong message. When people come up to me and tell me, hey, I love your show. What, like, that's great. I really do appreciate oh, it. Sure. It means yeah. a lot. Uh, it's just, I've noticed like hanging out with way higher profile people than me. The reason they like hanging out with me is because I just treat them like a normal person. And exactly. I don't like always talk about their show. And like, I just can talk about other shit. So like, <laughs> I don't know, just, it's, it, it's a constant issue. Like not just with, not just like at the conventions, not just meeting show hosts. Libertarians have a problem in general of like letting go of something that doesn't fit within their narrow view of life. Mm -hmm. So some guy who, um, you know, uh, I don't know, who has a, a blue, a thin blue line flag in his front yard, like they wouldn't be able to go have a friendly conversation with that guy. And then, you know, maybe try to find some areas of agreement. Like, dude, I remember this was such a, an amazing moment. Um, it was actually when I was on Tulsi's campaign. And it was at the Democrat convention in uh, it was in Manchester, yeah, Manchester, New Hampshire. And so there were like the Bernie people and the Elizabeth Warren people and the, um, you know, the Buttigieg, like all these people in different groups on the property where the convention was being held. And then across the street, there was this Trump guy who wasn't allowed on the property, but he could, you know, set up his thing over there. So you had like all these Israel flags and all these thin blue wine flags and everything. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just go talk to him. Uh, so I walked across the street and I was wearing a Tulsi shirt and I just shook his hand and said, hey, man, I'm impressed that you're out here, you know, practicing your First Amendment rights. I think that's cool. And just started having a friendly conversation with him. And by the end of the conversation, he wanted to know more about Tulsi. It was like, right. you're, you know, you're the only person who came over to me and wasn't just berating me and telling me what an awful, horrible Nazi I am or whatever. And I was like, hey. Man, that's how we all got to start. But I think that is also a problem with libertarians because the the autistic tendency is if there's anything that's out of line, you can't ignore it and then just go for the bigger prize at the given yeah. time. Like you have to fix that little inconsistency. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Any comments on that? No, uh, no I, I agree. And I think that's one of the issues that we've had. And I and hopefully that's going to change with uh, with kind of the change leadership in the in the party is bigger trying to emphasize bigger picture thinking and not this minutia right. like the focus on the minutia and the focus on let's get every detail right and fight for it it's no get the bigger picture in line and yeah let stuff go be like focus more on again commonality focus on things that are not necessarily going to cause uh, a deep divide and to your point lead with a smile man i mean like so many people they 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 just are so self-serious like i was talking about this actually the panel i did at freedom fest we are so self-serious. Maybe not you and I. You know, you and I kind of can laugh at ourselves and, and and call ourselves the jerk offs we are. But you know, so many libertarians they just think that they are they are the philosophical you know guiding light. They are the uh, the shining star in the sky, and that libertarianism is the only way to think. And if you don't think that way, then clearly you're an idiot and should be derided. And they can't joke about themselves. Like the number one way you could get people to like you and appreciate you is by doing self-deprecating humor to let yeah. people know right off the bat, look, I don't take myself that seriously. So exactly. I'm not going to come at you and be a threat. I'm not going to, you know, if I say something as a joke to you, I'll laugh at myself too. It just, it's disarming to people and libertarians never joke about ourselves. Yeah. Right. Well, not never. So some of us do the, the high functioning uh, autists among us do, but again, yeah. like, you know, working in a little bit of that, working a little bit of, of, look, acknowledge that we have a philosophy we believe in, but it's largely untested in a lot of arenas. It's yeah. scary to a lot of people. So 
Let's have a little joke about it. Let's acknowledge that. Let's laugh about this fucking crap and not just talk about it and show people that we're humans beyond this, you know, Murray Rothbard uh, suit of, of paperback armor that we wear everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always like to say everyone else is living in a cult, you know, like yeah. they're, they haven't had the blinders lifted from their eyes. You know, they're just following their false gods. And, um, you know, it's like, well, a lot of us kind of do that type of shit, too. Like we live we live in an alternate reality. We never like I mean, if if all you do is read Murray Rothbard and Hoppe and Mises and whatever, and you never like go out and talk to normal people or know anything about how any people's normal lives day to day are, what good are you? I mean, you're just, you're, you're no difference. You're no different than someone just like reading some holy book out in the woods. You're just a hermit, like all those guys. So I don't, I don't really understand like what has been gained unless you're actively making a difference with normal people and showing them that your ideas work because you're a normal person and you actually have to live that way too. This is the other thing, like a lot of libertarians, they're living in their mom's basements yeah. and they're saying, as soon as the federal reserve has ended, then I'll be financially stable. And then I can buy a house. They sound like democratic socialists. Like as soon as I have, you know, universal healthcare, then I'll be able to do this. And right. It's, it's, wow. a, there are, it's, we can't get into the mode of being a, uh, a federalist victim culture. Right. I guess the way to look at it, like, you know, <laughs> instead of saying like, oh, the white man kept me down or, you know, the, the patriarchy kept me down. We're like, ah, the state governments keep me down. And look, it is keeping us down, but it, people can succeed without having to do that. And yeah, to your point, you know, lead by example is such a huge right. thing. Like, you know, there's we try to be these entrepreneurs and tell people like, oh, here's the way to run your business and your life and handle this and that. And then you go out there and you're like, how many of you guys are owning a business? How many of you are? Yeah. How many of you have enough money to get to a convention and leave it you know, and not and, and still be able to pay rent? And right. there's I mean, I think there is a distinct lack of creativity in a way. And whether yeah. this comes from the the autistic urge, because, you know, autism is very logic based. Um and libertarianism is very logic-based in many ways, but the creativity can come in weird ways with autism. And I'm waiting for us to find those kind of autists. Like I was joking yeah. on Twitter today. And of course I spelled it wrong and I couldn't fix it because Twitter doesn't allow you to edit it. But I, I tweeted out the greatest comedian the world has ever seen is going to be an autistic guy who can, you know, taste the jokes and, uh, you know, and see the laughter. Like, because they've got that kind of crazy shit sometimes. Where are these super autists that we can come to, you know, break through with some messaging and some comedy and get that out there? <laughs> yeah. Can we get a breeding point. program going? That's a good point. I hung out a lot with Dan Smots at, uh, at, at the convention and then at Porkfest. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing, like, you know, however many thousand libertarians we have, we just have one guy who's really good at making videos. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> there is another guy, but he is the guy who is known as the video maker in the libertarian party and the and the guy who did my mean age daydream logo behind me oh <laughs> that's dan's, that's dan's work <laughs> or like top lobster is the guy who does yeah. artwork and i mean and it's not like this is the guy in the new hampshire libertarian party or the guy in south florida it's like the entire liberty movement across the whole country like thousands of us it's like remarkably few people who actually have these skills and these yeah. artistic abilities. It is kind of shocking if you think about it. I mean, it is, man. And this is this is why. So, like, part of the transition for my show from Electric Liberty Land to Mean Age Daydream was I was trying to I'm trying to change the way that I talk about things in the Liberty Movement and like overall yeah. philosophy to be less 
less whiny, less bitching about current events. That's still a big part of the show because I'm an asshole and I like to bitch about stuff. But Can't I want to give people, yeah, <laughs> I want to give people like a, a more philosophical message of like inspiration of like, here's, here's the future as we can lay it out. Try to be funny, try to be likable, but like, here, here's something to believe in. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a hundred percent true. It doesn't have to be something that I can say, look, here's all the Lego pieces. I can build this house over here. No, there's going to be a dragon and there's going to be a castle and there's going to be a fairy princess in it. Cause that's how you get people. You build myths, right? You build th things that people can believe in. They go, shit, that castle with that very fuckable princess looks like a great place to live. <laughs> and right now what we're pitching people is that we're going to take away a lot of the free crap and we're going to take away, uh, you know, I don't know, the, the trolls that fuck you for free from the government. And we're going to replace it with, eh, I don't know, you could go out and you know, maybe try to get laid at a bar, right? We're not really selling people a dream. And that, I think, is also going to help bring in creative people. Because the most creative people out there are on the left, right? That's just the way they flock. They all flock left. The most, But they're also the people that believe in the biggest horseshit, right? They're the people that are like, we got to have... Full-blown socialism. Everybody shouldn't have to work. We're going to tear down, like AOC, we're going to tear down all the buildings and build, I don't know, green bunkers, you know, bunkers as high as the sky can see. They believe oh, you won't have to work. Well, we're going to rebuild all the buildings, but right. you don't have to work. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to work. You don't have to work. Well, they'll force you to work rebuilding the buildings, but then you can take time off. But they believe the dumbest shit, man. But they're the most creative people. It's we got to sell them a better dream. We got to sell them a better dream to be in, to, to believe in. And once we get that, you're going to get all these creative people coming over and going, all right, you know, I kind of dig this. I see where you're coming from. Let me apply my creative brain to it. Until we point. do that, I mean, you know. I mean, you think about like Trump, you know, it's just this super simple message, build the wall or Bernie mm -hmm. Sanders, like super simple message, Medicare for all. It, it all ends with all. So that's, that, that's yeah. what we got to work on. We got to come up with some libertarian slogan. That's just three words long and end the fed doesn't do it. You know, like that's, I had know. one. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I literally, I was walking my dog. So I was listening to, um, uh, to the Machiavellians on audiobook, right. Which is a good, good book. And, uh, Pareto mm -hmm. was talking about how these, you know, it's like all the best slogans, all the best, and even like, you know, Hitler, I'll drop a Hitler reference on your show and make sure the SPLC comes after you again. But, um, <laughs> but you know, even Hitler had said like the best slogans, the best propaganda is, is short and simple to understand and you have to repeat it constantly right but right. there's a lot of truth to that and i was thinking up like a slave uh, basically like how people are slaves i think oh here we go stop being used all right how about that for a simple powerful phrase stop being used right nobody likes to be used everybody can think of ways they're being used all the government does is tax you all it does is tell you how to raise your kids all it does is make sure that you are basically fodder for the machine going out and flying nancy pelosi to china like yeah. that that i think strikes an emotional chord and tells people like you are your purpose in this world right now is purely to be used by the system and be a part of the machine so come up with a few phrases like that um you know that one's a little negative but yeah positive shit keep it short yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> the funny thing is our message is literally free right like the other people try to act like what they're giving you is free we are saying like you know i mean the, the problem is we do have a lot of hurdles to overcome but what we're ultimately giving you is freedom where these other mm -hmm. things like they sound good but it's actually more captivity uh but we, we can't message it in a good way that doesn't sound like, fuck you, you suck, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest problem. Well, I think, too, it's like, and this is another thing that came up on the panel. I was like, how do we get 
people, how do we convince people not to be scared of what we're telling them? Right. Because it is terrifying. I mean, you were talking about taking, like I said, taking away a lot of services, removing the ways in which they, they have always understood the world to function. So, you know, yeah. like trying to change that must be like, don't be scared to be free type of things, you know, like put it on them to think about, yeah, I am living a life of terror. And that's why I also try to emphasize on my show a lot. The government exists to cause pain and fear. That mm -hmm. is literally all that they do. It's pain and it's fear, pain in every interaction you do with them. Like even the positive stuff. If you want to go and get, you know, get your money, your, your tax refund. All right. I'm getting money back. Still hugely painful, hugely terrifying to file with the IRS. I think you're going to get investigated. If you're on the welfare dole, you still got to go deal with the government, spend your time. It's agony to deal with it. And then you get your paycheck. Then you got to go do it all again. And in the meantime, you're terrified they're going to take your benefits away. It's all fear and pain. It's how governments run. It's how they operate. It's how they grow. So again, using that like negative of think about how much pain you're in. And then with the positive, don't be scared to be free. You know, trying to apply those things, I think, is going to be powerful. And I'm, I'm curious to see and, you know, what happens with the messaging on the national level. Like I know uh, Reed Cooley just got hired as their yeah. messaging director. So we'll see what Reed could put together. Maybe yeah, maybe sure. the Reeds can have a, a mind, a, a mental, I don't know, Reed weaving. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. Mind, a, a mind reading? Mind reading? <laughs> Come on, it's no better than that. I mean, yeah, Reed and I, we have a lot of uh, similarities. Reed is, our, it's both our middle names, spelled the same way, not gay with an I. Um, oh, it's the worst, yeah. You know, there's we, we actually went through this at Freedom Fest. There's a whole bunch of shit that was just like, what? No way. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that's a great move for the Libertarian Party. Um, but yeah, man, like, I think that... We, we keep wondering, like, why can't we grow? Why can't we get bigger? Why aren't more people coming to our cause? We're, we're just not, like, articulating this, you know, in enough detail or telling them enough, you know, <laughs> statistics or whatever. It's like, I really don't think that's the issue. I think it's mostly yeah. that we're, we're basically unfuckable in more ways than one. You know, like, we, <laughs> we're a bunch yeah. of insults, but we're also, like, no one wants to fuck with us. No one wants to come near us. They're just like, no, like, you guys don't give off good vibes. So mm -hmm. I think it's mostly about the persona we have, mostly about the positivity and mostly about giving hope, you know, like that. That's why Ron Paul was so successful. Like we all keep wondering, like, why weren't these other people who ran nearly as successful as Ron Paul? But Ron Paul was like extremely happy and hopeful. And, you know, I've had him on my show. And even when I had him on a few months ago, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine was taking off and everything looked super bleak. And he was just like, oh, I'm optimistic. You know, you guys yeah. really care about this and you're really going to. You know, you're really going to make uh, huge changes and, you know, like go off and do it and have fun while you do it. And I don't know, like that's just something we're missing now. But I do totally. Well, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, circling back to like wherever we were, we were having a good time. You know, like yeah. where we were was where people were laughing, having fun. Like, you know, that's where like Matt and Terry Kibbe, they're a lot of fun. If, if, if you were, well, you met them at, at, at Freedom Fest, obviously, yeah. but if your audience knows them. They're a hell of a lot of fun. They yeah, are yeah. good sense of humor. They like to drink when, you know, when they're around, you're having a good time. And there is something to say about like the party aspect of political parties. People want to go to where the party is happening, where the party's fun. And the, yeah, right now the libertarian party's not fun. Maybe it's going to be, but like, even like we're talking about, we're in Vegas. There were a few people out, you know, hanging out, getting drunk, yeah. partying, but nowhere near as many as you'd think would be hanging out having fun partying, you know, not, not having conversations that anybody would pass by and want to take part in 90% of the time. 
Yeah. So yeah, emphasize. Not that I'm saying people have to go and get hammered all the time, but maybe that would help. <laughs> of- go get go get drunk, and then we'll win in 2024. That's what that should, all the fans need to go get drunk, get hammered, go to Vegas. Every every libertarian, if you become a libertarian, I think that they should send you a free drink token. You know, applicable like well, they had a network of bars, and that's how you get people started. And then of course, you know, we'll have a a, a new libertarian AAA that that isn't strictly based in like religious dogma. So have you forgiven yourself for buying a $75 steak or whatever the hell that thing cost? Or was it worth it, do you think? Because I still wrestle with that. It like, was good. It, it was, was really good. good. Well, I had a bite of yours the night before. We went to the same steakhouse two nights in a row in, yeah. in Vegas at the Mirage, and it was delicious. No, I was worth it, man. I don't mind. I, I do not mind paying for food and alcohol that's high expression. And drugs. Those are my three. Food, alcohol, and drugs that are high quality. Because <laughs> you're like... I mean, food's an experience, right? You're like, I, I can remember distinctly meals more than I can remember people, uh, you know, over the course of a life. There's meals that stand out to me that are just so damn good. I'll go to my grave remembering, you know, I'll probably remember that steak and that night, you know, because of everything involved with it, more than I'll remember 99% of the crap that happened the rest of my life. So well worth it. What about you? Worth it or not? Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've accepted it. It was a good group too that we, I, like it was yeah, like yeah. you, me, Reed, uh, Olivia, Patriot J, a couple other mm-hmm. people. It, it was fun. Like we, it was kind of the nuclear group that stuck together and was, you know, going around everywhere. Um, yeah. but, uh, Hey, we got a comment here that I think is funny. It's, uh, Clint is so <laughs> jealous right now. Well, I do have a type and I think it's important to tell everyone I slept <laughs> in the same bed with Brian the last night of Freedom Fest. That's, that's true. Isn't it? say. You know, he got he got tired of Clint, and uh, he had to go with the the smooth dolphin. That's the, that's my nickname in the bedroom. <laughs> Clint, I will say, Clint, it, he after letting us down in uh, in Reno because he bitched out on uh, on the one night. You know, he's like he's like, all right, I'm tired. I might go back out. We'll be trying to take a picture with Sarwark after at the oh, Mexican yeah. place. Right. Then he just went went to bed at like 7 p.m. And then I thought he pulled that in Vegas, but uh, he came back down, and he we were up to like three the one night. Yeah. So good job, Clint, for staying up one night at least. Yeah. No, he's he's old. People forget. I mean, actually, he's probably not any older. How old are you? I'm 42. I think he's like uh, my yeah, age or maybe he's younger than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. There's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, what's coming up for you next, man? Are you going to any more events? I've seen you like all over the place. Keep bumping into each other. But is it like a slow zone now? Nothing big coming yeah. up? Yeah. Or- well, it's 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 slower. I was. um I was tempted to go to uh, to y'all, you know, it's just because you guys are going to my parents yeah. live in uh, in Tampa. It's in Orlando, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And I was I was tempted to go to that, but I got a kid coming. So for me, it's wow. actually good dead zone. You know, I got I get she's coming in about a month. So it's good that it's quiet. And then uh, after that, we'll see what's coming in the new year, man. I definitely want to go to Porkfest, so I'll yeah. hit that up. And then after that, I don't know. I got to see. I may try to do a little bit more international stuff. Um, like I was at the Austrian Economics Conference last year. That was awesome. Um, so I don't know. It depends. Is the, is the autism off the charts at the Austrian Economics Conference? No. Or, no? You know what's crazy? Wow, crazy. No. What is mind-boggling is the European libertarian scene. Uh, or the libertarian free market economic scene, I should say. It's not necessarily libertarian, but it like crossed over a lot. Mm-hmm. It's full of 
likable, interesting, successful people. There are beautiful women there. There were like, you know, lots whoa, of whoa, ladies, whoa, whoa. <laughs> ladies giving talks that were highly attractive and qualified. I was yeah. blown away. And we'd all go out and we'd all drink and go to these big dinners. Like the woman who runs it, Barbara Combs, she was just, actually just on my show a few, uh, like a month ago. She's likable and funny. I, different world, man. I don't know what happened with our American libertarian scene, but we need to be more like the Europeans in only that respect. So do we just need to like rebrand? Is it the libertarian word that's the problem? Or like, what do you think draws these people? Because like the Liberty Republicans don't seem that bad. Like when I, I've been to a Liberty Republican event and it seems like more normal, high functioning, um, you know, you're saying this uh, Austrian economics thing was, more, mm -hmm. so maybe it's just like the word libertarian just needs to be trashed. Maybe we need to come up with something else. I don't know. Uh, I actually am a hundred percent on board with that. I, I'm not, I don't think libertarian is uh, I think it's a poison word. It gets thrown around by too many people that have nothing to do with it. At Liberty anyway. Yeah. And uh, again, I guess we've got the party recognition. We'll see what happens over the next couple of years. You know, I was yeah. talking to Jason Stapleton about this recently. Um, Cause he was in LA and I was hanging at a bar with him. And he asked me like what I thought would be success for the libertarian party. Right. Cause he's kind of checked out of politics. He's still libertarian, but he's checked out of the, the movement. And it's mm -hmm. almost like it's not going to be votes because that's not going to happen in the next two years. But I'm curious to see if they can get converts, if they can add to the roles, right? If the if Libertarian Party can grow by 20% as far as numbers or 50% by numbers in the next two or three years, that to me would be concrete success. And that mm -hmm. means that, okay, the brand isn't poison. The messaging is working because people are going to vote with their interests in, in an election like of DeSantis versus Trump or a Biden versus Trump kind of thing. They're going to vote for their interests. Yeah. If they're, but where are they going to put their money? Where are they going to register? Looking at the long term, they might vote for Biden because they hate Trump or Trump because they hate Biden. But if they're a part of the party, they're saying, all right, I believe in this long term, next election, let's see what they do, local elections type of shit. So that to me would right. be a difference. So yeah. I'm willing to give it a couple of years. But if not, I'm 100% opening to pivot away from the term libertarian to just stop, stop, drop and roll to something else, man. <laughs> Test it out. We got a whole party. I like that. I <laughs> mean, you know, between the, between you, you and me and all of our, our podcasting friends, I'm sure we've got enough influence that we could completely pivot from libertarian and start something new. And pretty, we can just do the daydream rate. party, like build a castle for yourself. Amen. You know? Yeah, man. Shit. <laughs> Well, when you come to Porkfest, we'll have to go check out all the basements around. That, that sounds kind of weird out of context. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not a, a libertarian autist thing to do at all. <laughs> come see the beautiful basements of New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> only 6% six, only 6 of them are inhabited by uh, libertarians. Yeah, the one in Bradford where Ghislaine Maxwell was uh, arrested, you know, that, that basement might Ooh, be kind I, of scary like to so. check out. But yeah. <laughs> that seems like a good time. I'm in for that one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you guys haven't hung out with Brian McWilliams in person, you got to do it sometimes. If you're at an event where he is, you'll see him. He's the the taller Clint without the goatee. So just follow him yes. around and it'll be fun. Uh, but where can people follow Electric Liberty Land and keep up? I just had to throw that in there. Sorry. <laughs> where can people keep uh, get, up the, with, get the troll in. That's fine. <laughs> where can people keep up with Mean Age Daydream? Uh, and what, what type of content are you, uh, you're, you touched on it a little bit. You're trying to, yeah. uh, phase away from the traditional libertarian complaining about everything. Do you have any like interesting non-libertarian guests coming on the show or anything exciting planned for the next few months? Well, or? 
so I, I have, in the next few months, I've, I'm going to have Nick Gillespie on. So I guess he's he's libertarian, but he's going to be coming up. There's a few other people. I, I'm not going to confirm them yet because I'm floating up. One guy actually, well, he is confirmed, which is Brent Hamachek. But um, he works for uh, a, uh, basically, I'm blanking on the name of the publication right now. But he has an interesting thing where he went to college campuses and is trying to basically forward dialogue between, you know, these social leftists, you know, progressive nutballs and the conservative college students on campus and try to create a new way for them to actually speak to each other and dialogue. So I'm going to have him on the show. Yeah. You know, kind of looking at positive stuff. A lot of, a lot more comedians are going to be coming on the show. Um, but in general, you know, it's kind of like, like I said, it's like this, uh, a breeding ground for a philosophical change as far as how we're communicating. So again, it's like, I've tried to do a little bit of current events, a little bit of sh- you know, culture, comedy stuff. Still, I do my, uh, my, 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 parody songs i do um film reviews i talk about tv and entertainment industry stuff and get into the philosophy so it's a it's a smorgasbord that i hope people enjoy and i'm trying to broaden it a little bit so it's not just all libertarian content and in truth i'll probably start to get away from even hardcore libertarian breakdowns as i as i work through these philosophical touch points i want to hit on and try to make it more broad-based but with the libertarian backbone kind of like subversively try to get more people involved in it and yeah. in the meantime, hopefully people laugh. But yeah, so that's uh, Mean Age Daydream. I got a solo feed for that. Uh, you can also listen to the Lions of Liberty Network, which has my show, uh, Mark's show, and John Odermatt's show, all three of those on there. That, that might be changing up soon, but we'll see um, how that works out. And then you can also listen to a comedy podcast I do called The Boring, B-O-H-R-I-N-G podcast, which uh, is like, going to be every other week. But uh, good times, good times, <laughs> great oldies. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll miss you at Yale. Uh, what are you going to give me if I drop your name during the I, My offer still stands. $100 to whoever can work my name in the most times during that panel. <laughs> Is that... Oh, oh, just the most times. I didn't know if it was like per name. Every time. Because I'll give you... I, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give you... Brian McWilliams, I'll, Brian McWilliams, Brian McWilliams, you know. I'll give you, I'll give you $10 a name drop or or 100 times for the most, however, whichever comes to first. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I mean it. It's fun hanging out with you in person. I'm glad we've actually gotten to become friends in real life, not just through this virtual box that we talk to on yep. the internet. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see you again soon and hopefully a pork fest. That'd be great. I, and yeah. we'll, we'll convince you to move up here with our great basements. You know, nothing, we'll nothing. see you were threatening a Los Angeles visit to come see me out here. So maybe I'll convert yeah. you and, uh, have another ally out in the, uh, the great wasteland of philosophical, uh, I don't know, deuterium. I'm trying to think of the word I want. Just shit. Philosophical yeah, shit. That is California. I, although I was, I did have uh, Ben Weir on my show the other day. And he's running for uh, sheriff in Merrimack County in New Hampshire. So what you were talking about uh, when you said hijacking the sheriffs to kind of mm-hmm. align with your political goals, there's really something there. Like, I think Dude, there is for, libertarians for should be electing sheriffs all across the country. <laughs> it should be their number one goal. Like, forget governor, forget Senate, whatever. Just elect sheriffs and you can do it in any state and yep. they can basically dictate what laws the police are going to enforce. So. I don't know, yeah, really- they have a lot of power, a lot of power for an elected official because you can't elect anybody in the police department. So, right. yeah, but yeah, man, thanks for having me on. I get right back at you, dude. It's been a, a great joy becoming uh, becoming good friends with you. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon, bud. All right, man. We'll do it again.